Hi, welcome to Fizz Gig. I'm Wendy Althwaite and I admit to being fascinated by fizz, the taste, the tingle and most importantly, the trivia. Do join me. We'll explore the myths and the mysteries of the world's greatest sparkling wines. Full disclosure here, I produce English sparkling wine in West Sussex myself, but this podcast is not about our wine in particular or even about English sparkling wine in general. It's about the scintillating world of effervescence. I'll pop a cork and cast a pod every Friday, and I do hope you'll be with me. Don't forget to listen out for the pudding at the end. It's a little tidbit that, whilst not strictly on point, amuses me. Pop it in your goodie bag as a little fact to take away. So here we go. TGI Fizz Day. And today we're going to talk about the pros and cons of Prosecco. It's Italy's best-selling fizz, helped by Nigella Lawson calling it her Prosecco for its cheering effect. It's made from glera grapes and can be spumante, sparkling, frizzante, tingling or tranquillo, still. But no one in the UK drinks still Prosecco unless it's flat from the night before, so it's not really exported outside Italy. Prosecco is in fact a village near Trieste, and the Glera grapes may have come from there. Up to 15% of Prosecco can be made from other authorised grapes, for example Chardonnay, Pereira, Pinot Bianco, Pinot Grigio and Pinot Nero, but Glera is the key, and it's becoming popular. Since 2000, Glera is also grown in Brazil, Romania, Argentina and Australia. But sparkling wine made from Glera outside Prosecco is not Prosecco. It's just, for example, IGT Veneto. And these wines tend to be cheap and of variable quality. Prosecco has been made in the Charmat method since the 1920s. This is also known as the tank method and to Italians as Metodo Italiano or Charmat Martinotti. In the search for a fast, cheap way to make sparkling wine, a Frenchman, Eugène Charmat, and independently, an Italian, Federico Martinotti, discovered that if they transferred the wine after fermentation into a large sealed pressurised tank to carbonate through secondary fermentation, they could bottle it under pressure and make fizz within 30 days. Bingo! Of course, there is some impact on the taste. Charmat Martinotti wines are younger and fruitier. Traditional method wines are evolved, drier and autolytic. Higher quality Prosecco takes its time, however, a full nine months, compared to at least double that time for the lowest quality non-vintage champagne. But the traditional method, Metodo Classico, is not banned for Prosecco, and, as we'll see later, some winemakers in the DOCG are reviving Prosecco col fondo, where the wine referments in the bottle and is left on its bottle lees. The sediment collects in the bottom of the bottle, its fondo, and imparts more complexity, texture and flavour. They're served either clear or cloudy, and usually they're frizzante, with only two and a half bars of pressure. But back to more mainstream Prosecco. As it's not aged surely, Prosecco has fresh, light, simple flavours of white flowers, apple, pear, white peach and apricot. The cheaper it is, the more likely it is to be sweet, because a spoonful of sugar helps the Prosecco go down. But DOCG versions are delicious, and for between 10 and 20 pounds, it's an inexpensive treat. It has 10.5 to 11.5% alcohol, so it's a bit less than champagne. And Prosecco can be brute, extra dry or dry, 
But in reality, extra dry, which, as you'll remember, is pretty sweet and much sweeter than brut, is the most popular style. Prosecco is drunk with anything in Italy and is drunk chilled as an aperitif outside Italy. It's usually drunk young, within three years. And there's some dispute over whether or not you can age Prosecco. After all, it doesn't ferment in the bottle. Some say that you can age high-quality Prosecco for up to seven years, but blind tastings have been inconclusive. It comes from the Veneto, where I'm sorry to report that there's been increasing disharmony. It turns out that there's not just one Veneto. Traditionally, Prosecco came from the hillsides, but now these established producers look down on the new producers on the plain, and unusually for the Veneti, there have been words and the odd gesticulation. It all started about 10 years ago. Prosecco was going through a bit of a boom, and there wasn't enough of the stuff. So the Italians, pragmatically, expanded the region of production to include a further nine provinces, down from the traditional hillside where everything was done by hand, to the former industrial sites of the plain, perfect for mechanization, far from Prosecco's heartland. This new area is the Prosecco DOC, denomination of controlled origin, and it covers 23,300 hectares, so that's over 57,000 acres. An enormous amount of Prosecco is produced each year, 464 million bottles, so much, much more than champagne, of which 214 million bottles in 2018 was drunk in its single biggest export market, the UK. As demand rose, so did tempers. The new DOC producers produced over five times as much Prosecco as the traditional producers in the DOCG. They accused the new growers of cheapening the Prosecco brand with high-volume, industrialised techniques and didn't want to conga Prosecco into becoming another Lambrusco. So there's Prosecco and Prosecco. But where's the good stuff? There are two regions for Prosecco Superiore DOCG, that's denomination of control and guaranteed origin. They're both in the Veneto and are smaller growing areas with steep hillside vineyards where everything from pruning to picking is done by hand. The first, Prosecco Conegliano Valdobbiandine Superiore, or PCVS, is made on the hills between the towns of, you've guessed it, Conegliano and Valdobbiandine. In a further split, producers from Valdobbiandine have recently tended to skip the mention of Conegliano on the front of their label, calling their wine simply Valdobbiandine Prosecco Superiore. The PCVS DOCG also has 43 different subzone wines named after the hills on which they're grown. The idea is to emphasize different microclimates and terroir, but it has not yet achieved much traction. The second DSCG is the smaller Asolo Prosecco Superiore, produced, predictably, on the hills near the town of Asolo. The highest quality Prosecco is considered to be Superiore de Catizze, from the very high vineyards, with their sort of 305 metres high or over a thousand feet, consisting of 107 hectares, that's 260 acres, of vines tended by 140 growers. These are the most expensive vineyards in Italy, 
and they don't even mention Prosecco on the label. Allegedly, because the steep slopes made it difficult to get at, Cartizzi grapes were harvested last, and it was said to be that the extended ripening improved flavours and made Cartizzi grapes the best. All the more embarrassing then, when at a blind tasting at the Vinitaly trade fair, Cartizzi Spumante was ranked consistently behind normal Prosecco. In 2019, the Prosecco Hill, where Prosecco Superiore DOCG is produced, became a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So, how are the superior Prosecco producers of the DOCG reacting to their inferiors on the flat DOC, other than by looking down on them and gesticulating? By changing their practices, dramatically. First, they're abandoning the world Prosecco altogether. And as we've seen, it doesn't appear on the labels of the very superior Cartizis Bumante, but others are following suit. Loris Delacqua, who co-founded a vineyard near Venice, has ditched the word Prosecco to avoid the association with half a billion bottles of Prosecco that have no history and no links to the land. And there's the rub. DOCG producers make 90 million bottles. DOC producers make over five times at much at 464 million bottles. So a few producers seeding the word Prosecco may not make a huge impact to the consumer, who presumably will have difficulty recognising any rebranding and may be confused and wary. Secondly, wine tourism has been strongly promoted. Conegliano is filled with bars, hotels, restaurants, promoting DOCG Prosecco and wine taxis from central Venice course to the winelands of Valdobbiadene, and this helps educate people into distinguishing their DOC from their DOCG Proseccos. And thirdly, and most surprisingly, they are changing their wine style. For all their haughty disdain for the poor quality of DOC Prosecco, it's worth remembering that even the DOCG Prosecco is made quickly in a pressurised tank and 60% of superior Prosecco production comes not from individual wine producers, but from cooperatives. And let's not go on about the DOCG pride being felled in the Vinitaly blind tasting. So, as well as changing the name, they're also changing the wine. To make it a bit more like champagne, perhaps. So first, they're abandoning the Metodo Italiano. DOCG Prosecco can be made in the bottle rather than in the tank, giving it bottle lees contact, known as suilevde, meaning on the lees, sparkling wine that have been re-fermented in the bottle. So thanks, but no thanks for the tanks. And they're making it extra brute with residual sugar of between zero and six grams per litre, rather than the extra dry with residual sugar of between 12 and 17 grams per litre that's customary. They hope that this will show a mineral elegance of Prosecco and that it'll be better matched with food. Arcelor now produces an extra brute version. And also, it will allow pink Prosecco. Prosecco has up till now always been white. Great hopes rest on this. Red grapes will spend 60 days in a pressurised tank and make the Prosecco pink. And it'll be here in the UK in time for Valentine's Day 2020. And fourthly, there's been a campaign of greenwash. 
Prosecco DOCG has been marketed emphasising its environmental sustainability. True, it has, like many other areas, banned the herbicide glyphosate for the last three years. And it's adopted a viticultural protocol where growers are advised on how to be more sustainable. And you can now find organic Proseccos. Check out your local ASDA. And a certification scheme for the reduction of synthetic substances on the vineyard is proposed. This certification might start for volunteers in 2021. It might work. But I haven't yet seen a hen party check its Prosecco to see whether it's DOC or DOCG. Still less scrutinise sustainability with the stripper. F. Scott Fitzgerald once said, Too much of anything is bad, but too much champagne is just right. But can we have too much Prosecco? Folk are fickle with their fizz. Prosecco sales increased by 6,000% over the decade, making it a very popular pop. But now, sales have dropped by 1.5%. That's a lot of bottles. So, has the bubble burst? Anyone for pudding? How about a Bellini? This was reputedly invented at Harry's Bar in Venice. You pour two ounces of chilled fresh white peach puree into a chilled flute and top it up with Prosecco. One quick stir with a swizzle stick and you're ready to sip. Or perhaps you prefer the lurid lure of a spritz veneziano. Simply pop some ice into a wine glass or tumbler, pour in two parts Prosecco to one part Aperol and top up with as much sparkling water as you like. Add an orange slice if it's still not bright enough. Or how about a delicious noropino? A teaspoon of vodka, a splosh of Prosecco, a scoop of lemon sorbet, stir for a very grown-up slushy and sprinkle with chopped mint leaves before sipping. Or a mimosa. Pop some ice in a wine glass and add equal quantities of Prosecco and orange juice. And if that sounds like Buck's Fizz to you, it's not. There are three crucial differences. Buck's Fizz is two parts champagne to one part orange juice, not equal measures of Prosecco and orange juice as with a mimosa. And Buck's Fizz is in a champagne flute, not a wine glass. And Buck's Fizz has no ice. Buck's Fizz was created in 1921 by Malachi McGarry, the barman at Buck's, but who's also mentioned by P.G. Woodhouse in his Jeeves and Worcester books as the barman of the Drones Club. He created it so members could start drinking early. Legend has it that only the barman at Bucks knows the additional ingredients of the original recipe. The mimosa was created four years later in 1925 by Frank Meyer at the Ritz Hotel in Paris. So, there we have it, Fizzerotti. We popped the Prosecco and compared the DOC to the DOCG. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me next week when we're all off to sunny Spain. Viva the Carver! Until then, may your wine, like your wit, be sparkling. Chin chin!